If you come from a broken family, meaning your parents are separated or divorced, or maybe they have a really dysfunctional marriage, you've likely experienced extra barriers in your relationship with God. In fact, you might not even believe in God. As one young person told me, he doesn't even believe in God because of everything that's happened in his family. And wherever you're at, we're glad you're here with us. And in this episode, my guest teaches us about a tool called spiritual direction that you can use to overcome those barriers, heal from the trauma you've endured on a deeper level, and become spiritually strong. My guest also shares how he struggled with the questions, am I going to be just like my dad? Will my marriage end up like my parents' marriage? He also opens up about how he felt guilty for wanting his parents to get divorced because things at home are so bad. He gets real about his own struggles in his relationship with God, such as how he rejected God as a way to protect himself and how he really wrestled with the question, God, is this really how you treat people who love you? And most importantly, he tells us what he's done to heal his relationship with God. He also talks about his temptation to suicide as a young person, and he explains what spiritual direction is and how it helps you heal and grow. Now, if you're someone who has struggled in your relationship with God and you feel far from him, especially because of what's happened in your family, you're really going to appreciate this conversation. This is going to be so helpful for you. So keep listening. Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you heal and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce, separation, or broken marriage so you can feel whole again. I'm your host, Joey Panarelli. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 65. Now, before diving into the episode, I want to give you guys a sneak peek to something we've been working on at Restored. We've built a brand new workshop. The workshop is titled, How to Heal from the Trauma of Your Broken Family, tools and tactics to feel whole again and thrive. And this is a six-hour workshop with short practical talks and exercises that make healing simple. And we've put together a fantastic team to deliver these workshops, and we're thrilled to share this with you guys to help you or maybe the people that you love or lead to heal and grow. And we'll be telling you more about it in the future. Our our first one is coming up shortly here. And if you want to know more about this workshop that we'll be offering and even discuss perhaps booking an event at your school or church, feel free to contact us at events at restoredministry.com. Again, that's events at restoredministry.com. I'd love to speak with you about it. All right. I'm really excited for this episode because I get to introduce you to my spiritual director who has played a huge role in my own healing and my own growth. And I'm also excited because one of our goals at Restored is to make healing simple, to make healing simple. So often healing is made more complicated than it really needs to be. And so we want to change that. And as I mentioned, one simple tool that you can use to heal is spiritual direction, which you'll hear all about in this episode. But first, my guest today is Bob Siemens. Bob is the founder and director of Franciscan University's School of Spiritual Direction. He was trained in spiritual direction at the Lynn Terry Center for Ignatian Spirituality in Denver, Colorado. The program is run by a religious order called the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. You may have heard of Father Timothy Gallagher. He's his most well-known speaker, author, and trainer. And Bob graduated from Franciscan University with a degree in theology. Bob's also held various ministry roles, including the Director of Evangelization 
evangelization at Franciscan University, and he's also spoken across the country. Bob is husband to Shannon and the father of their five kids. He loves working out, gardening, scuba diving, craft beer, and messing with his kids. On a personal note, Bob's example and the life that he's led have really been inspiring to me. He's worked so hard to reverse the cycle, especially as a dad, and he's an amazing father. And what I've learned from him really is that I can reverse the cycle too in my own life. And that's absolutely true for you as well. And so I'm so excited for you to listen to this conversation and to learn from Bob. So let's dive in. Bob, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Joey. It's good to be here. I've wanted to do this for a long time. uh, And I want to get into spiritual direction, talking about that, how it's helped you, how it's helped me. But before we get to that, I want to start with your story. So like so many people listening, you you come from a broken family. And so I'm curious, how old were you when your parents separated and divorced? Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, growing up, my parents separated several times. So that question is kind of a little nebulous. Um, yeah. From the time I, some of my earliest memories was my dad being kicked out of the house um, because of having affairs being gone for weeks on end. Um, so I'd have to say probably the first time my dad and mom separated was when I was probably about four, five years old. And then uh, it just kind of continued on. And then uh, they separated when I was about 18 and my dad moved to another state with my brother and my mom stayed in the state that I grew up in. And then they got back together and then they were having affairs and basically make a long story short, um, they separated, which ended up ultimately leading into to their divorce. And um, I was right around the age of 25 when that happened. Okay. So, wow. Very drawn out. I mean, for basically 20 years of your life this kind of back and forth, and then finally getting to that stage of the divorce. And then, of course, that brings a whole host of issues. You mentioned a little bit of what happened. Uh, as much as you're comfortable sharing, uh, yeah, What any details that you would add to what you've already said? Um, yeah, details. Hmm. I guess for myself, um, from the very, very, very young age, I had this conflicting feeling inside of me because um, I, I was religious um, in particular because of, of my grandmother and uh, she lived a block away. I would spend majority of my weekends uh, growing up uh, Friday, Saturday uh, with my grandparents and, and, and my grandma in particular uh, was the one who would take me to church and, and whatnot. But I remember from the youngest age thinking, Oh God, like, I don't want to live like this and having guilty feelings of, I wish they would divorce. I I wish, I wish they would divorce. This is, you know, so at the youngest age, I just knew something wasn't working out and it always left a haunting uh, feeling inside of me too. Like, am I going to turn out like my dad? Uh, Is my marriage going to turn out like my parents' marriage? Um, am I destined to have affairs? Yeah. So 
it just brought up uh, a lot of really conflicting feelings inside of me. Um, and, and again, one in particular was like, how can I be religious? How can I be uh, good, virtuous if I actually want my parents to get a divorce? How, uh, how sick is that? And then I, I, I kept that to myself too, uh, kind of like a, a buried, uh, something deep and buried um, that I never felt really comfortable sharing with either that I, I actually wanted my parents to get divorced. Yeah. And that's actually not uncommon from everything that I've learned. I know when things at home are so tumultuous, so many of us, we just want it to end. And especially because the popularity of divorce in our culture, it seems like a solution to a really messy, bad situation. And I think most of us, when we reflect kind of back on it, especially as we get older, we kind of realize like, well, the ideal would have been for, you know, my parents, your parents to heal their marriage and to bring stability into the home. Um, now, you know, sometimes that's not possible, but that's what I wish every couple would strive for. So no, I, I, I think it makes sense like that you feel guilty to that you wanted all that to end and divorce seemed like the, the way to do that. Um, we, we, we hear that often. Yeah, you bring up something interesting there too about just like, you know, what good person doesn't want, you know, their 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 family to be restored and to be healed. Uh, right out of high school, well, maybe let me just back up a moment. Ba- basically, my mindset growing up was like, I want to be everything that's the opposite of my parents, um, in particular, my dad. So I strove for that, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, didn't have sex, all those good kind of things thinking, oh, I've got my stuff together. Uh, Right out of high school, I I did a year of ministry and um, was very involved uh, with that, found a lot of purpose and a lot of meaning, although uh, I would definitely say I was doing it to to be loved. It wasn't uh, a total pure motive. I was thinking, well, I will prove myself to God. I will prove myself to others that I am a, a good human being. And so I joined this ministry and um, one of the kind of the mantras you would say maybe of the ministry was like, hey, the more you share, the more God's going to work in your life. So Hmm. for the first time in my life, I had these brothers and sisters around me uh, who were encouraging me to share my life. And it was it, it proved to be too much for them. My dad was physically abusive, so I shared that. Um, I shared the affairs, um, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the day, um, because these were all fairly young people, uh, no therapists in the crowd there, uh, good-hearted people, but it was ill-advised for me to just share um, so openly, so vulnerably, without them having kind of any expertise of what to do with all that sharing. Um, I was signed up to go on a, a second year of this this mission. And um, at the end of the year banquet, one of the administrators pulled me aside and said, hey, you can't go on a second year. You have to go back home and um, get family counseling, get family counseling, which is something you just brought up. You know, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to see their family succeed? Um, but the funny thing was here, here I was uh, at that point in time, a 19-year-old uh, kid, um, still trying to make his way in the world. This guy had no clue. Um, I looked at him and, uh, you know, bold as brass. I was like, 
do you really think that if I couldn't have gotten my family to therapy before now, I, I wouldn't have? It was just ludicrous. He, he basically, they basically just didn't know what to do with my baggage. And so they thought, well, you know, a nice approach would be for me to go home and tell my mom and dad they needed to get therapy and we'd all go together to therapy as a family. I ended up telling the guy to F off, to be really honest with you. <laughs> Um, it was a pretty bold move on my part. Uh, obviously, I didn't do the ministry ever again after that. You know, again, there was that sense of guilt too. Here was here was the ministry I equated with God, with yeah. doing the right thing, and He's telling me to do something that, well, I can't do. Mm-hmm. I can't get my mom and dad to therapy, and that led to uh, to a lot of confusion too. Like, who do I share this with? Who can hold the tension of my life and what I've been through? Uh, who, yeah, who can hold the tension of of who I am and want to be and have been through? And that was a very confusing time. Uh, yeah, very confusing time. No, absolutely. I would have felt the the same way, and. There's a few things that you said that I just wanted to touch on. Um, one is just the idea that maybe it was your job to fix your family. Like that's such a harmful idea. And of course, I'm not saying that we, as people who come from broken families, we have no hand in helping our family. That's not true, but we're certainly not responsible for fixing our parents' marriage. Like that's their job. And sure, we can influence them maybe in little ways, but it has much less to do with us than I think uh, is said, is talked about. And somehow, uh, for one reason or another, we feel so responsible for maybe helping them and fixing their marriage. But that that's just a really harmful idea. So even the fact that someone else was telling you like, hey, go fix your family and then come back. It's like, well, uh, that might not happen and nor is it my role. So I think it is wise of you to kind of shoot that down. The The second point I just wanted to make was you were just so alone. And so you were left on your own to deal with life and left on your own to, and we've talked about this before, but it's just so often people like us just feel like, okay, it's me against the world. Nobody's got my back. Uh, I have to figure this out myself. And so I bet that situation where those people who you were confiding in, they didn't know how to handle what you were saying. I bet that made you feel even more alone. Yeah. Yeah. It was a strange feeling of Actually, I felt very empowered in that moment because like I told you, I told the guy to F off. And I think that was the first time in my life I actually stood up for myself and was like, you know, this guy was older than I was, but I could see how ludicrous it was that he would tell me to go and get them help. When at the end of the day, I mean, my goodness, the only person we can actually help in 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 this, I've come to believe in this world is ourselves, period. Uh, we can do little things for other people, but the only person we can really help is ourselves. And we typically do a pretty crummy job of that anyway. So why should we not saying that we shouldn't be there for other people? That's not what I'm saying, but it was an empowering moment for me, but the loneliness came afterwards. Uh, The loneliness came when I went back home and uh, was with my mom. My dad had been, was gone by that point in time. And I just remember feeling so incredibly alone, uh, to the point actually where I, I became extremely suicidal. Um, it was the first time I actually got therapy myself was because I was driving. I had contemplated uh, committing suicide uh, while at work and I was driving home um, after work and, and thought, 
something's got to change. And if it wasn't for uh, this little counseling place that had this Jesus fish on their their little advertisement board outside the place, uh, I probably, well, I may have committed suicide. I, I don't know. But I pulled in there unannounced and said, I need to talk to somebody. And that was my first time with a therapist was a, a, a gentleman um, who was very kind and very loving and very supportive and began to help me make sense out of myself um, with all that I had been through. He began to give me words to things that I had never had words to before and to uh, really help me um, to understand that the way I was feeling was not the feelings of a crazy person, but my feelings were normal for what I had been through. And that was very refreshing. The first time I began to not feel so alone in my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it, I think often that is overlooked, like just hearing that you're not crazy. Like, yeah, actually given what you've been through, this is an appropriate response. It's so freeing. It's extremely freeing. And I know I felt uh, the same way. I know we hear that feedback a lot when people listen to this podcast or work with our ministry in any capacity. It's like, wow, that's, I, I, no one, no one said that to me before. And so that's amazing that you, you know, at least had that at that point in your life. I mean, I bet you wish you would have had it earlier, but I uh, thank God that it, it came at that point. One tool, obviously you said that you used to heal and to deal with all this pain and all these problems in your life was counseling, but another tool eventually uh, became a spiritual direction, both on the receiving and the giving end, I, I suppose on in your healing story was on the receiving end, obviously, but eventually you became a spiritual director. So I'd like to kind of shift gears and talk about that. I'd love to just go into your story for the next hour, but um, but I really want to focus on spiritual direction. So yeah, let's talk about how that in particular helped you to heal and to grow. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great segue there. For me, um, spiritual direction was the ability to have um, somebody walk alongside of me, not just in a therapeutic role, but, or I'm sorry, the spiritual direction was not therapy at all. This was, began to help me make sense out of God because for the longest time for me, although I had a great love and and, and respect for God, um, I didn't understand him. And truth be told, I still wrestle with this. Um, I still wrestle with the thought of how could a good, kind, loving God really put me in the family that he did. But again, I didn't have the freedom to talk about that. I was scared to talk about that because that's not what a good, holy person talks about, right? They don't talk about um, this thought that, that God could have screwed up. That's that's what I felt. So I shoved that for the longest time. Um, for me, I mean, even my my first introduction to, to pornography, Joey, was from my father. I was seven, eight, nine years old, and he was pissed at my mom. He threw a Playboy magazine at me, um, said, "Okay, hey, it's time for you to grow up and become a man," and just to piss my mom off, you know, and. Um, that 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 just this started me on a journey of of uh, confusion, of of lust, trying to fill those wounds, and so even in that place there, I was like, God, really, like, what the hell? Um, is this how you really treat those who love you? 
So there were all these things and I just couldn't make sense out of them. And, you know, in therapy, typically you're dealing with your own thoughts, your own emotions and stuff like that. But in spiritual direction, there there began to be a a dealing not only with my my thoughts and my feelings, my emotions, but also with the concept of, of who God is, of who a good loving God is or could be. And I noticed for the first time in my life, a real shift, a shift from saying, why God, why God, to where were you? Where were you when I was, uh, you know, four or five and, 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 and my mom told me my dad was having an affair and kicked him out of the house. You know, where, where were you uh, when I'd wake up at night and my parents were throwing dishes at one another? and screaming. And then it would be two weeks of complete silence um, in the house because they weren't talking to one another. Where were you when my dad threw that Playboy magazine at me? And it was for the first time in spiritual direction that I began to, 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 to hear him clearly say, I was, I was right there in the midst of it all. Um, I wasn't void. I wasn't just sitting back. I didn't just wind you up to let all these things happen to you. And it was the first time in my life I actually felt like the Lord was crying over me as that little boy who was exposed to all these things. God spoke to me. I never meant that to happen. to you, And that was really freeing. And I don't think that that would have happened on my own if it wasn't through spiritual direction, if it wasn't having somebody sit besides me and, 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 and companion me there, just walk with me, hang with me in the tension of my life and gave me um, the freedom to, to let God um, speak to me, clear some of the clutter um, that I had in my life through my wounds, my brokenness and through my own free will to be able to hear the voice of God just a tad bit differently. And I think that's really the gift of spiritual direction uh, is to be able to weed out what I would say are three voices that are always warring for our hearts, ours, Satan's and God's. And for whatever reason, because I, I can't explain it. God's always seems to be the, the small, quiet voice. And so a lot of times we, we tend to not listen to that voice or listen to that voice last. Um, spiritual direction has helped me to listen more uh, attentively to the small, quiet voice that actually speaks truth um, compared to the other voices. Wow. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. And I'm glad you're bringing this topic up because I think so many people listening right now can relate to, to you and one of the things that bugs me, and I know it bugs you too, is when um, you know religious people kind of skip over this. It's the same, like, well, God knows best. God knows best. It's like, well, this is a deep question that deserves an answer, that deserves wrestling with. And there is an answer. I'm convinced of that. But it's not something you should just skip over. And if you know someone listening right now, if you've totally rejected God, uh, this is something you need to wrestle with. Like you owe it to yourself to at least give this some thought and just to talk to God. Even if you're angry, like let him have your anger. He knows what you're feeling anyway. Give it to him, show him. And for those of you who've maybe lived very pious, devout lives, uh, maybe you've never gone here and it might seem kind of scary to you. And I, I get that. 
but in, in really in order to heal and grow and to have a, a better relationship with God, you need to dig into this. And that's where obviously having the help of a spiritual doctor is so helpful, which we're going to get into a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think it is important to say that, like, we need to go to these dark places. We can't just kind of put on this mask, put on this facade and be like, Oh, God knows best. We're good. And you know, all that dark stuff that you, you had been through, which is just so uh, traumatic that needs to be talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really like what you said there about God's not afraid of our darkness. You know, we are. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And even just your comment there about maybe, you know, listeners who have rejected God, Hey, bravo to you. That might even sound scandalous, but man, does it ever make sense? Like, it makes sense why people would reject God when they've gone through some of the things that they have gone through. And I think to me, the rejection of God in that aspect is, is, is actually just a protection. I don't want one more person in my life who's actually going to let me down. So I will reject this individual. I will reject this person that could indicate life, but is really confusing. And again, I think that's another beautiful thing in spiritual direction is is because um, you even address the real pious listeners who I, I think in some ways have really rejected God or, uh, yeah, rejected God in some ways too, because we cover up actually a relationship with God with, with piety. So there's a certain rejection of, of God in, in, in saying, you're actually really not the God that I thought you were going to be. Um, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to ignore that because the pious, the good thing to do, and I would say that that was me for the longest time, uh, was to ignore all that because this, this, this doesn't reconcile with a good, kind, loving God. But we have to wrestle with it. It's like Jacob wrestling with the angel. We have to wrestle because if not, the only thing that's really left is our is our own just self perseverance, and that that can again be extremely lonely. Always having to take care of ourselves, thinking nobody has got our back, nobody really wants our good. Um, we're the only ones that can do that and facilitate that and be that. So I think you bring up some really good things there, Joey. Really good. Yeah, likewise, and I'm glad we're kind of diving into this. And one of the things. I think it's true for everyone is that we have this distorted image of God. We don't really know often what, who God truly is. And we kind of project our image of him, especially because of what we experienced with our parents. And I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but I think for those of us who come from broken families, it's like extra true. It's even more distorted. And so one of the benefits of spiritual direction for me, working with you in particular and spiritual direction or spiritual directors I had before you was undistorting that image of God and trying to see him for who he truly is. And it's still something I'm working on. I've made a lot of ground. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the huge benefits. But I also want to go back to something you said before that sometimes, you know, it seems like the only way that God communicates is in just a small, gentle, quiet voice, which is kind of frustrating. <laughs> it would be nice if it was more obvious. Mm -hmm. And uh, it reminds me of what C.F. Lewis said. You correct me if I get this quote wrong, but he said something along the, on the lines of, in mere Christianity said that, you know, God, what is it? He whispers us in our joys. He speaks to us in our conscience and he screams at us in our pain. Yeah. 
And I think he says that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a sleeping world, something mm -hmm. like that. And, uh, and I, th I think, man, that, that's such a difficult conversation though, because so often we want God to be one way and he's just not. And, uh, and that could lead to a lot of frustration, but I do, like you said, have a lot of respect for people who aren't on the fence. Like they're running in one of the directions. They're either totally rejecting God, which I know sounds kind of scandalous, or they're, you know, running after him and like trying to wrestle with these things. But the people in the middle, you know, just kind of, it seems like they get stuck there. And so, um, so I think there is something to be said for people who, you know, are digging into this, either rejecting him or, or going after yeah. him. Yeah. You know, you bring up something really beautiful about C.S. Lewis too. And it's so touching to me if, if, for the listeners who who maybe don't know his life story, he said those beautiful little platitudes about God and about God's voice and whatnot before he actually uh, entered into a relationship with his wife, Joy. And hmm. um, again, for listeners who maybe don't know, it was Joy's um, dying that caused him to actually have a crisis in faith himself. And, and, and to really say, you know, am I actually going to believe these words that I said, that, that, that pain really does uh, awaken us um, to God? Or, or was it just a nice platitude I was saying to help, you know, help people just make sense out of their pain, but yet I haven't lived through it myself? And um, it's just a really beautiful moment for me, too, in, in just realizing that, you know. Again, I think you touch upon something else. How often do we just try to prove to God that we're worthy of love? We, and, and I think through our woundedness, our brokenness, our, 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 our yes, through all that we've lived through, um, especially with uh, divorced uh, parents and, and, and traumatic experiences and whatnot, that, that uh, in some ways, deep inside of us, we're constantly saying, I have to prove to God that I'm worth his love. Because mm -hmm. obviously somewhere it failed. And he can't just love me because if he did, he, he, he wanted to put me in a family like this. And one of the truths that I have that I am coming to, I shouldn't say that I've come to, but that I'm coming to slowly is that God loves without a because he doesn't mm -hmm. love me because I had good parents or bad parents or because I was physically abused as a child or not. God loves me period. But that's something that is super hard um, especially through people for people who come through so much adversity, who've experienced so much pain, that there's this almost this reward system that we want to set up to where I'll earn God's love. I'll show him that I'm good. I'll show him or those around me, maybe your spouse, that I'm not like my mother or I'm not like my father. But in the end, it just continues to leave us wanting, but to just sit in that place that God loves me without a because he just loves me, period. There's something very freeing about that. And that's another one of those places where I think spiritual direction just helps so much to help us understand our image of, of self and our, our image of God. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of all of it. 
um, to come to a place of just understanding who God is, who I am to God. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, for me as a spiritual director, that's the first place I go. When somebody first comes and sits down with me, tell me, you know, if I was interviewing Jesus Christ on my couch right now, and I said, you know, Jesus, tell me about who is Joey to you? Joey, what would you say? If I were to say, Joey, who is God to you? And, or Jesus Christ, and he's sitting right here in this room, you know, what would you say? I always think that's such a beautiful moment of, of uh, true understanding and clearing away the clutter of who we make God out to be or who we make ourselves out to be. And then there's this certain place where all the facades just begin to fall between God and us. We are who we are. Or as God says, I am who I am. Wow. A lot to think about, a lot to chew on uh, just in that little bit there. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned a few benefits of spiritual direction. Is there anything that you would add to kind of what we've already said? Like someone might be thinking like, why, why would I go to spiritual direction? What are those benefits? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say the first um, is just the, the accompaniment um, to have somebody walking uh, with you in the messiness of life. I know that has just been uh, something just very, very beautiful for me to have somebody know me and be able to walk with me in the tension of uh, my, you know, becoming better uh, and, and, and understanding God better to just sit with a trusted individual, somebody who holds things confidentially, who is non-judgmental, who can be, um, maybe a spiritual or a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. And I'm not saying replace or make up for, for what our parents have lacked, but that they can just show us. They can just show us love. Um, sometimes I know when spiritual direct, my spiritual direction session is over with my spiritual direction director. All I want to do is just sit there. I want to stay there. Um, I kind of feel like the the, the woman uh, washing the Lord's feet or, or uh, you know, just that sense of like, I just want to stay at your feet. I, I can resonate with uh, Peter, John and James when they're on the mountain in the transfiguration and they say, hey, guys, let's build some tents and stay here. And I, I think that I get that feeling with my spiritual director that I'm held in such high esteem. Um, that I'm that I'm loved for for who I am. That I don't have to prove anything, and there's such freedom there. Um, there's freedom just to be me. Um, there's freedom that God can just be who He is, and uh, I love that freedom. I love that freedom. One of the biggest benefits for me, um, again, working with you and other spiritual directors I've had, but especially with you, is that just the love and the affirmation that you receive. And like you said, so often in our lives, we're deprived of that. And so it's just so freeing to, you know, in, in a way, receive God's love through your spiritual director, through someone who's there to to guide you in your spiritual life. And I know in some situations even can become more of like a just life mentorship, which I think is, is so useful as well. Uh, as we're talking, I'm realizing that it'd probably be helpful for everyone uh, to kind of define spiritual direction because you know, maybe this is the first time they're hearing it. Uh, so yeah, what would you say to someone who maybe has never really heard of this term spiritual direction? Uh, what exactly is it? Um, that's a really good question. What I would like to say uh, about spiritual direction is that it's it's a heart 
encountering a heart. And if you have a really good spiritual director, it's not the directee encountering the director's heart. It's the directee encountering the heart of God. And for me, that would sum it up. That even though I want to spend time with my director, I want to like, okay, you know, maybe stay at his feet because I feel loved and affirmed. It's not actually his love or affirmation. I mean, he's a conduit of God's love and affirmation. Yes, I feel it through him. So I have deep respect and love and admiration for him. But for me, the director is the one who just opens up a door. And maybe, maybe it's just pushing it open just a little bit at first or helping the directee do that. And then sometimes maybe it's just kicking it down <laughs> to allow the directee's heart to finally speak to God. Again, for me, you know, I'll go back to that example of, of for so many years of my life, I wrestled with this deep, dark, in my opinion, dirty secret of saying, God, why, why, why this, why that? And I was so afraid to be honest with anybody about that because I had so much anger towards God. Mm-hmm. And it was there finally where my director was like, hey, let's kick that door down together. You don't need to worry about saying why. And then he offered me the opportunity, this perspective of maybe changing that why word to, to where. And that was like, that was a floodgate for me. That was mm-hmm. healing for me. That was me encountering the heart of God in all of its purity that I longed for all of my life but I don't think I would have been able to do without a spiritual director. So spiritual direction for me is actually the director getting out of the way of God, but being a conduit for God being and having and helping a direct D open a door for God to come in for a heart to speak to a heart. Um, For me, the imagery in scripture is the prodigal son. The father is waiting there for him. The father is seeking him out. The prodigal son comes home. The father doesn't even hesitate. He embraces him. He doesn't say, hey, let's first clear the air. Nothing. He simply embraces and allows the son to come back, period. And there's something beautiful about that. So that's a that's just a really beautiful imagery there. One way I've heard you talk about spiritual direction too is the spiritual director is somewhat of an interpreter. They help you kind of discern God's plan for your life, kind of what God's communicating to you, uh, but also kind of like you said, poking at those maybe sensitive parts of of your soul to encourage you to kind of dive into that, to dive in. And it's almost in a way. It's like a doctor for, they're like a doctor for the soul. It's like, okay, you you know, have some issue here. Let's, let's work on it. Let's heal that. Let's bring that to God. Um, who's the ultimate physician. So I, I know I found that particularly helpful because so often we're not equipped or maybe not brave enough, if that's the right way of saying it, to go there on our own. We really need someone to walk with us, especially someone who's trained and so I want to I wanted to get into kind of training and talk about that for a second. But on the practical side of spiritual action, I wanted to mention a few things, and of course, love to hear if you would add anything to it. But typically, spiritual action looks like 
you know, an hour long meeting, um, what typically once a month with, with your spiritual director. And, uh, you know, it can begin with a time of prayer. It can end with a time of prayer. And that's just a conversation and, you know, questions are asked and uh, things are discussed and so on. Um, is there anything you would add on like the practical side of someone who's like, I don't really know how this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very much so. First off, just one point of clarification that I just want to say there, you, you, you kind of talked about that doctor, doctor, uh, physician kind of thing with spiritual direction. One thing I do want to caution people about though, because I think a Please, lot of yeah. times we can we can project this onto a spiritual director is that they're going to diagnose us. They're going to look at us and mm-hmm. they're going to, oh, yep, here's this issue that you need to work on in prayer with God. Here's this issue. Here's this. A spiritual director should never diagnose you because at the end of the day, there, there is there is no uh, there's no set plan. Because each person that, that, that comes to spiritual direction is, is unique and, and, and beautiful. It's just a journey. Or in many ways, I, I like to call it a dance. Um, it might be a little too intimate for people, and that's understandable. But I, I find it this beautiful dance where a director is dancing with their directee, um, but the directee is always the one who is leading. Because that leading just points and goes goes back to God. I, so I think that's very, very important to, to make sure that your director is never diagnosing you and then saying, you need to do this. That's therapy. Or that is like a physician who says you have this health problem and you need to take this medication. Again, the director's um, approach is to open up a door uh, to help that individual listen to the voice of God to ignore, shut down, close off Satan's voice that wants to tell us that we're no good, uh, that, 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 uh, that we deserve these things, etc., And probably the majority of the time to close down our own voices too, because we can tend to be our own worst enemies too. So, so that's one thing there. Um, I would also just say with the practicals, you know, uh, although there's, there's a seem there's kind of a, um, with the word spiritual director, it makes it sounds like the director is going to direct you and tell you this and tell you that. The approach of, 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 of spiritual director direction that I espouse is, is, is one of a, a called a contemplative evocative. To, uh, to ask extremely open-ended questions that, that gets the individual to do some real soul searching. Um, and why? So that there's a greater self-awareness, but not just for self-awareness, because self-awareness for self-awareness sake doesn't really lead us a whole long ways. It's always so that it leads to a greater understanding. And then from that self-awareness and that understanding to a greater action that we can actually have action in our, in our spiritual lives. Um, you know, and I'm sure this resonates with many of your listeners right there who have gone through even kind of therapeutic healing. Uh, nothing is worse than going to a, uh, a, a therapist. And, and all it is, is, is talk therapy with, with no real, uh, maybe shall we say some understanding. Now, sometimes there's things that happen to us that are completely and totally out of our understanding, you know, tragedies in our lives are, there's really no understanding. That's that point that I was saying earlier about why God, why, but instead of saying where, and then that leads us to that place of action when we can finally start to be empowered 
to uh, to take control of the things in our lives that we want to take control of, uh, to realize um, there are certain things that are just out of our control. And I think a spiritual director does that in the spiritual life as well, creates a place of self-awareness that leads to a greater understanding that helps the individual take steps uh, in action to become, shall we say, the best version of themselves or the holiest person that they can be. I'm glad you clarified that. Maybe the doctor analogy isn't quite appropriate for spiritual direction. And uh, that makes sense what you said, that one of the ways that I say it is a spiritual director is not a spiritual commander. They're not there to tell you kind of what to do or what God's telling you to do. And so uh, thanks for clarifying that. Uh, One thing that is so important when you're looking for a spiritual director uh, is to find someone who's trained in spiritual direction. You don't just want anyone directing you. So a few questions for you. One, uh, who trained you? And uh, why why is that important to find someone who's trained in spiritual direction? Yeah, that's a great question. So first off, um, I was trained by the Oblates of the Virgin Mary in in Denver, Denver, Colorado, at the Lanteri Center. Great, great place. Um, and they trained me in this method called the Contemplative Evocative Method, uh, which really changed my life. The reason why it's so important to have somebody who's trained is because we would never want to actually go to a therapist unless they were trained. Why would we entrust somebody with our spiritual lives unless they knew what they were doing? Uh, we can have all kinds of good intentions, but at the end of the day, uh, especially a spiritual director is entrusted with a soul and the intricacies of that soul and the wrestling of that soul with themselves as well as with God. And that has to be treated with as sacred ground. Um, In many ways, you know, I just think of those, you you know, would take off their shoes before they entered into the temple. And, you know, what would our churches look like, actually, if we did that kind of thing nowadays with, with taking off our feet as we entered into holy ground, because we knew it was holy ground. In, In many ways, I envision that when I enter into spiritual direction with an individual, that I need to take off my shoes, not them, but me. Because I am entering into holy ground, which is them and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, when somebody comes to you that vulnerably, we we need to have people who are trained to handle that kind of vulnerability and not exploit it. Now, so many of your listeners have already been through enough. Why would we want to put them through anything more by not going to somebody who's trained who just kind of says, you know, hey, you know, suck it up, buttercup, um, get over your 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 PTSD or whatever it may be, because they just don't know. So I would say having somebody who can really practice that evocative method, who can be non-judgmental, and this is what good spiritual direction training programs do. They equip a director to handle the intricacies of the human heart, to companion them to let them know that they're not alone, but that they are uh, an individual who is always pointing to God. And that sometimes that directee might want to look at the director more because of that, again, that love and that affirmation we were talking about before. But a trained director will always point them back to God because they know in the end, it's never about them. They're on the exact same journey as their directee. They're, they're alongside of them. They're not in front. They're not behind. They're right alongside, just trying to get to heaven. 
And again, I think that's why it's so important to have a training director who has that humility, who has that training, who has that understanding, uh, who can walk with an individual in that way. That's helpful. And I know we have some people listening who especially want to help the people that we're trying to help at Restored, people who come from broken families. And becoming a spiritual director is one way you can do that. And thankfully, you have a program at Franciscan University that you uh, where you train spiritual directors. So tell us a little bit about that. If someone were to uh, go through it, you know, what, what does that look like? What's good to know about your program? Yeah. Um, thank you for asking about that. For many of the listeners may know who Rick Warren is. He was a, was or maybe still is a pastor at Saddleback Mountain Church in, in the Orange County, LA area. Uh, he has this beautiful quote. He says, you know, you know, um, people are going to ex- um, find some of their greatest healing uh, through your bro- brokenness and woundedness. And um, I would have to honestly say that the spiritual direction program here at Franciscan started from that from my brokenness and my woundedness and and God pointing that out through me going through uh, spiritual direction training and being, uh, being directed and my director basically handling the wounds of my heart and saying, Hey, go and help other people heal now through your wounds. And um, the program here uh, was founded about four years ago to train people in a three-year process uh, to actually, in many ways, use their own brokenness and woundedness to go out and heal the world, to bring people closer to Christ. So um, our program, uh, we have two different options. Uh, the most popular is, is a two-week intensive for three summers. Um so we have our first one coming up or a new one coming up May 22nd to June 4th. And that'll commence uh, right around that same time for the next three years. And at the end of it, um, an individual could expect to be trained one as a spiritual director and two to lead somebody through the exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. But in particular, what they could expect by going through our program is that they would be trained to be uh, a director who could lead somebody in the contemplative evocative method, uh, which is basically opening up space for God to get into an individual's life. We've had two graduating classes. It's been very successful. We'll have a third graduating class coming up uh, this summer. And I really feel like it's the Lord raising up an army of people to just go walk in and with individuals to to someday uh, get to heaven, God willing. So good. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing this. There's such a need. And I applaud the work that you guys are doing there at Franciscan University. If someone wants to sign up or connect with you how do they do that great um so one they can uh email me uh directly uh rsiemens at franciscan.edu it's r-s-i-e-m-e-n-s at franciscan.edu you can call me 740-283-6277 i sound like an infomercial now or you can just uh, Google uh, Franciscan University School of Spiritual Direction, and there's a lot more information on there as well um, with the application, general info, any anything from there. Uh, would love to talk to anybody who's interested in, in becoming a spiritual director. Thank you so much, Bob. And uh, one thing I, I wanted to go back to for a second here is St. Ignatius. We hardly talked about him, but so much of this work and spiritual direction in general is based on this Spanish saint. 
yeah, well, maybe another time we can dive into that a little bit more. But um, yeah, for any of you wondering, it's it has a rich history and tradition, and it's uh, very very beautiful. And the, uh, what Bob was saying for the spiritual exercises, it's uh, what a month long or so retreat that you would walk through, and um, it's very beautiful and very um, such an opportunity to grow and, and to heal too. And so a lot of good stuff there. We don't have time to get into that as much, but Bob, I just wanted to yeah thank you again for coming on the show for sharing what you're doing and sharing your story too. Thank you for being so vulnerable. I know I uh, learned a lot as I always do from you and I know the people listening are better for it as well. In closing out, I want to just give you the final word. What would you say to you know a person listening right now who feels very broken, uh, especially because of their parents' broken marriage, their family falling apart, kind of going through all that trauma? What encouragement, what advice would you give to, to someone like that who just feels stuck and broken? Yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone and your brokenness is not, uh, you're not so broken that you have no hope. Um, that was a lie that I, I believe for so long was that I was so broken. I was so dysfunctional. Um, I was so wounded that I could never truly be loved for exactly who I am, which is a lie. Um, and I think you, Joey, and, and, and the Ministry of Restored is doing so much to help people uh, come to that reality, to know that they're not alone. Their story is their story, but it can be shared with others finally, and that they can find peace, they can find healing, joy, and hope, and make sense in some ways out of their their sufferings, their deep, deep sufferings. So my encouragement is to hang in there. Uh, you're not alone. Find somebody. Cling to somebody uh, in, in, in some of this. Trusted individuals, because they can help. I want to leave you guys with a question, and that is, what's one thing that's holding you back from a relationship with God? What's one thing that's holding you back from a relationship with God? And what can you do to find answers to that obstacle? That's my challenge for you. Give that some thought, chew on that a little bit, and then come up with an answer. Try to find an answer, and then most importantly, take action. If you're looking for a counselor or a spiritual director, uh, we want to help you. We're building a network of spiritual directors and counselors that we trust and we recommend. And so you can tap into that network. And some of the benefits of tapping into the network that we're building is it's going to save you lots of time and effort in searching for a counselor or for a spiritual director. We'll also connect you with a trained professional who can give you the help and tools you need to heal so you can feel whole again. And then again, like I mentioned, these are people that we've vetted, that we trust, that we recommend. So if you want to join the wait list for a counselor or a spiritual director, just go to restoredministry.com slash coaching. Again, restoredministry, ministry is singular, dot com slash coaching. Just fill out the form on that page, and then we'll connect you with a counselor and or a spiritual director, whatever you request. Again, that's restoredministry.com slash coaching. The resources mentioned are in the show notes at restoredministry.com slash 65. Thank you so much for listening. If this has been useful for you, feel free to subscribe. And if you know someone who really is struggling from their parents' divorce or broken marriage, share this podcast with them. Always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and become the person that you were born to be.